Welcome everybody to the One to Go show presented by Dirt Track Supply. It is Puka in the red visor. It is Bert Lehman with the great specs and it is Ryan Ayo with the, is it a TPO shirt? Let's go TPO at the dome, baby, right here. <laughs> very good, very timely, very timely. Yeah, and the nice thing is when I edit and I put the overlay on, I kind of put it up just a little bit higher to cover Bert's shirt, so I, we don't we don't have to witness what what he has going on there. He's got the Packer pride. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, we don't talk a lot of football. I'll, I'll just say the the Gophers knocked the Badgers out of the championship game. Just saying. Yes. Well, I mean, actually, actually, the Gophers uh, helped prevent the Badgers from making getting a destroyed. Pool. Yeah, getting destroyed in the championship game. Yeah, that, that could be, that could be uh, an assist goes to them. So, of course, this episode will start with this. You mentioned it already. You know, brought to you by our friends over at Dirt Track Supply. Of course, Trevor, Ron, and all the group over there, um, Watertown, South Dakota, home of the Arrow chassis. This is the time of year. Get a hold of them, guys. Get on the list. Get your stuff fixed. Get your repairs done, tin work. I know Trevor said that aluminum prices are going up, as with everything else. But, you know, the service there is great. They take good care of you. And if you're looking for a chassis brand, this is the time of year, right? We don't want to be waiting until March. That Aero chassis won a lot of races. So get a hold of them, guys. Dirt Track Supply. And uh, what do you say we start with a little blast from the past? Of course, Brought to you by Impact Health Sharing. This is a time of year. A lot of businesses looking at healthcare costs, and we know they're insanely crazy. If you if you're one of them paying way too much, get a hold of me. You know, uh, we can maybe help you out. Kind of in half for a lot of people. A lot of racers jumping on that. So that's been a really good deal. But we we do this every week. Episode number one hundred eight. So we do one hundred eight, oh eight, eight eight, whatever. Do you guys have a one hundred eight? I do not have a 108. Yeah, baby, I got a 108 for you. I got a 108. And this came from a fan of the show, Steve Delkey, you know, racing family over in Wisconsin. And we talked about Dick Breesmeister last week in the 107. We got his brother, Bob. Bob Breesmeister, 108, 1966, late model champion at the Rice Lake Speedway, 57 Chevy, actually dethroned his brother, so kind of a cool deal. And there was a big invitational there in 66. He kind of shot me some info where he left all the way up to third place. So sounds like that Breezemeister name was pretty uh, synonymous with winning in the <laughs> right Lake. So that's number 108 for you there. How about 08? No 08s for me. Got a modified 08 Puka. He actually, I think he, I, I, I know he did. I have a picture. He made his way up to Hibbing. I know he's ran there. It was back. I would guess late 80s, early 90s, Mark Stranke. And I think he was also from that, I think he was from that Rice Lake area. I'm not 100% positive, but I think he was from over there, had an orange and white car. Um, I'll post a picture up here, but he made, he made his way over. Then we'll get to number eight. I got a pile of them. I'll let you kids go first. Bert, let's start with you. Who do you got? Number eight. Well, I have a number eight uh, former late model driver, uh, Scott Kramer who is from, I can't remember what town he's from, but he's from uh, the Sheboygan area. Um, he raced at Shano Speedway in the, I think, believe it was the early 2000s. Uh, he was one of like, five, at the time, Plymouth, uh, the racetrack in Plymouth had 
like the limited late models. So the drivers from that area who wanted to race late models, they had to travel to Shano to race. So there's about five drivers from that area that would drive, I don't know, you know, the two hours or whatever it is to get from that area to Shano to race every week. And he was one, Random Lake, I believe he was from Random Lake. And uh, he was one of those drivers that drove to Shano every week to uh, race late models. And uh, that was, the drivers from that area provided a lot of good competition for the locals at Shano. Uh, that was actually a really fun time to watch late model racing at Shano Speedway. Now, now it's just a Nick Anvilink show over there, right? <laughs> <laughs> this so, last year. <laughs> right, exactly. So Puka, number eight, who do you got? First guy that came to mind was Larry Stockwell from somewhere also in Wisconsin. Now, Ellsworth. Ellsworth was that sounds right. There you go. So now, also, if you look around on YouTube, I believe there's a video of him practicing probably around 2000 and gets into the wall and just destroys his car. Right. Am I correct? That's you are right. correct. I, okay. I haven't seen that video for a while, but he right. destroyed one. Yeah. It's been a long, I think I must've seen it like during COVID or something, but I was like, Oh my, like I never knew it happened. Never knew it existed. But Larry stock was the first guy that came to mind. And of course, Greg Hill, you know, local guy. Uh, and then I got 2009 Labor Day shootout winner, Greg, right. Hill. Labor Day shootout winner. And then was it Brian Nelson from the Falls that had that number eight late model? It was. It was. That was, and that was. I think that's all I got. For. I just thought of him, like just as we started recording. And, here, he, but. and he ran a modified too. He ran late model and a modified. So that's three good ones. Now I'm gonna see if you can guess these. Number eight, Pepsi Bottling Company, Hibbing, Hall of Famer in Grand Rapids was a promoter. Slusher. Corey Slusher. There you really? go. Yeah, Corey <laughs> Slusher, number eight. He ran super socks. He ran late models mostly. And uh, he's actually in the Hall of Fame at the Grand Rapids Speedway inaugural class. Actually, he he kind of, the track was closed down for a while. And then he got it re-going again. And it was non-sanctioned. And he did that. And then it eventually went with soda racing in about 94, I think, something like that. So Corey Slusher. Now, another person we'll talk about here. And really tight, he kind of lives in the same area as Larry Stockwell. I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe that he got the number eight because of Larry Stockwell. I ran supers against this guy back in uh, when I was winning championships through the 2000s there. Had an RJR car, it was red, and traveled with Brandon Jensen. Kelly Anderson. He ran mm, a super amount. He ran Cedar Lake all the time. And actually... So speaking of Brandon Jensen, Brandon is married. Like he's good buddies with Kelly. Brandon is married to Larry Stockwell's daughter. Oh, so, no kidding. Yep, oh, yep. So that's how that's wow. tied in. So we got Slusher, <laughs> we got Stockwell, we got Anderson. We're going to go back to the 1980s. Burt might get this one possibly too. Yellow car, late model, ran over by Menominee. I think he was from Altoona over by Eau Claire, Menominee area. Nickname, The Goose. Mm. Gary the Goose Dorn. So he ran around with like playing. I heard that name, yeah. And all them. So that was back in the 80s. Um, modified guy. 1993, 94, 95, 96 was soda modified national champion. And they made a rule because of this guy. Two rules, I believe. 
flying oh. eight ball from over in North Dakota. Oh, yeah, that's right. Leo. Leo Burkhardsmeyer. Leo's transmission. Okay. Yeah, four times. Basically, dethroned, dethroned Ron Jones because he was on a tear. A couple rules that came to mind <clears throat> is they had a rule in place. Like, there never used to be a rule. You could just, if you want to schedule a show, like, hey, we're racing tomorrow. Call everybody you know. We're racing tomorrow, right? Well, <laughs> rumor has it, right? The, the folklore says that back when he was racing Jones for national championships, that he knew the promoters kind of like by rugby and North Dakota there. And just on a win, they're going to be like, hey, we're going to race on a Wednesday. We're going to race on a Thursday. And they didn't give two shits if they got three cars, four cars, or 80 cars. It didn't matter. And the reason it didn't matter is there was no show points. Joke back then, right. Show points. So literally everybody got the same points. So he would just start scheduling shows a day or two in advance. A few cars would show up. They'd pay their sanctioning fee. I think he would actually pay it. And then he, he'd win. And that's how he won. Folklore says some <laughs> national championships. He was good, but that led to a couple rules. And uh, I was, you know, now you got to first schedule an event two weeks out. You can't just schedule on a whim. And obviously, uh, you know, the, the show points, the way they changed rules didn't really matter much last year, but they changed that. That was all because of Leo, one of the best modified drivers ever from the state of North Dakota. They had some good ones over there too. Um, and I have one more. Super stock guy, Mark Resch Chassis. Back in the 90s, this this kid was freaking bolted. There was a show on, I think it was MSN or whatever that, remember the one at the race shop spot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, He was on this show every single freaking week, winning at Menominee, Mississippi Thunder, Cedar Lake. He won a ton of races. Still racing today, he ran mods. He ran supers. He's now racing late models, but not locally. Was it Brent Larson? Brent Larson. Yeah, yep. I think I remember it in, in number. Yeah, what number is he now? I well, is it is one? it one or I owe you one? Yeah, it's I think one. it's number one now. Yeah, yeah. yeah Maybe that's great. an Arnie thing. He was that's number right. eight. Yeah, he won the, some big ones down the five thousand dollar ones back twenty years ago. Five thousand. Yeah, super he was. I'm telling you, he was really, really good in that in that super stock. Had some good years in other classes as well. Hasn't been quite as good as of late, but Brent Larson comes to mind. So. Kind of a blast of the past. We had some pretty good ones in there, some pretty good number eights. But what do you say we get into the national recap? Not a lot of racing going on this past week. Of course, we got a big one coming up this week. But last week, uh, of course, the national recap, Puka, brought to you by our friends at? Over at uh, Blue Line Brews. Got some coffee here. Uh, thanks for everyone that participated last week in nominating an officer. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, your name was drawn or their name was drawn and you got some free coffee. Of course, 10% of their profits back to law enforcement. Uh, like I said, appreciate everything they do. As always, the link for the for the website, bluelinebrews.com, will just be down the show notes. You can just scroll down. Like I said, it's definitely getting to be coffee season. It's colder and colder. Days are shorter and shorter. Uh, you know, great gift ideas. Christmas approaches here, especially if you're finding yourself shorted with all the supply shortage stuff. So keep Blue Line Brews in mind. Like I said, uh, you can knock off uh, a really good cause and, and get some really good coffee and a really good gifts for somebody this Christmas season. I got a package of the Detective Special coming my way in. I know our buddy Keith, uh, who's obviously, he's been a racer, avid listener of the show, our sprint car guy. He's got, uh, I don't know, one of them. He's got one of them coming. I don't think it was a detective. There was another one on there. The stakeout. <laughs> no, what's the other one? There's Justice. One Justice. That's the one that he has coming. So that's what they got going on, but two big late model races 
kinda this past week. So <laughs> I'll, I'll lead with this. One of them paid five thousand to win. One of them paid twenty one thousand to win. One of them had eleven cars start the feature, and fourteen cars total show up. One of them had forty cars show up. Wouldn't you just assume twenty one thousand forty cars? 14 cars, 5,000. Wouldn't you assume that? It was the other way around. Unbelievable. That just shows you racers, right? They can't complain about money when you support the lowing payers. You just, it, that logic here just makes no sense to me. I just don't understand racers. I am one, and sometimes we're just not real bright. So let's start down Cochran Motor Speedway, the gobbler, of course, turkey, turkey names, right? And uh, did you guys watch the gobbler? I think you, you watched that one, didn't you? Yeah, I uh, watched the feature. Yeah, I watch. I, go ahead, Bert. You can start. Yeah, I mean, I watched the feature. Uh, it wasn't that exciting. Uh, Overton started on the outside front row and went on to win. Um, probably one of the most exciting things in the race was uh, Whitener doing a slide job on Bloomer. And I mean, he put it in a really tight spot there between two cars. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. I, I think seven cars finished. Uh, Bloomer got a podium finish, though, so he, he came close. <laughs> he did. Bloomer, third place finish for the ageless wonder, Scott Bloomquist. And, you know, the thing is, Overton, you mentioned, Bert, that sounds like he's probably done for the years. I don't think he's going to Gateway. Um, if we can get Goose, <clears throat> Goose, you're listening here, see if you can get us a final tally on Overton's numbers. Um, I think he might have eclipsed 900. I don't know that for sure, though. But it'd be interesting to see if Goose can get us those numbers. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, and then, he sent out a, uh, his uh, PR team sent out a press release today. And basically the press release said, you know, it, that it caps off his 20, 2021 season. So it sounds like he's done racing for the year. Okay. Um, so, but uh, yeah, it, his post-race interview kind of sounded like that, too. Yeah. Right, right. And, and that tells you, we'll get into that in just a second here. We'll jump over to the leftover, which was at the 411 Seymour, Tennessee, 40 cars, 5,000 win. Corey Hedgecock parked it in victory lane. Notable in that one, a guy we've been following throughout the summer, Josh Rice. I didn't get to watch this race. Um, He got fifth. I figured I, I expected with that group of cars, he would have been contending for the win. Um, They had pretty good uh, contingent of regional racers. No real national racers there, so to speak, but they got a pretty good group. But this tells you right here two things. Number one, drivers, 21 grand to win is, that's, that's good money. Let's just be honest. That's good money. 14 cars. And just last week down at the King of the Sandbox, what they have down there, kind of about the same. They have 16, 15, yeah. 16, 17. And that was 20 grand to win one night, five the other night. So is this tell you right here, number one, it's not necessarily just the money and we'll talk more about the money later in the show, but people need an off season, right? You know, you got gateways, a big one. That's, that's like an iconic show. That's really growing to be something special. But other than that, I think, I think this is showing a lot of drivers are like, you know what I'm done. I, I need, I need a couple months off to regroup, spend some time with the family. Um, maybe the spot, you know, replan their sponsorships, whatever it is. What's your guys' thoughts on these mid late November shows? You know, go away with them. I mean, are are they going to be successful? What's going to happen with that driving? Yeah, series? yeah, I, I yeah, I, I it's going to be tough. You know, in the, in the sandbox was one thing because it's a sandbox, like we said, it was narrow, rough, and it doesn't have a reputation of being real racy. But Cochrane, I mean, 
that track's pretty nice. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, was it super racy? Not necessarily. And maybe that's because of the time of year, like I said, tracks are, are fairly tacky at this time. I imagine it's, it's, you know, whatever, 40 degrees at night, but at least it wasn't a dump, you know, in the sandbox, I'm sure there's some that would argue it's a dump. You know, I don't know what the rest of the facility looks like, but, but Cochran's one of those places where it's like, yeah, to get that field at a pretty nice place. But like Ryan, you mentioned last week, they've got a reputation more so on the promoter side and, and semantics there, but getting back to your question, I, I, yeah, I think, I think people need an off season. Is it 90, 95% of the races that you see show up, maybe even more than that are, are working people. Uh, you know, they, they just, you know, they need that time. They, they got to catch up on work or maybe they're small business guys and they, they race in the summer and they let things kind of slip off. And then it, you know, it gets to be a time when you got to bring everything. I and mean, that's what uh, Fred Brownfield, Brownfield promotions. Some of you might remember him, especially those in the sprint car world used to promote a lot of events out West. He'd buy like 10 or 15 woo shows. And they had this plastics business in Washington state. And I used to talk to his wife. We used to trade for some tickets when I was in the advertising world in Montana. She said, Oh yeah, we, completely let our plastics business go all summer and then winter comes and we we get it back to where it needs to be and all of a sudden it's it's march then and we start promoting shows again everywhere from dodge city kansas to up you know up in the north uh, skagit billings uh salt uh rapid city at that time you know track just north of denver colorado so an off season i think is definitely needed what do you think bert i agree i mean uh racers probably there's only three holidays that they can spend with their family and that's Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year's and because all the holidays in the spring, summer and fall, they're out racing. Chances are they're out racing. So when they have an opportunity to spend, you know, Thanksgiving with their family, you know, now's the time to do it because these aren't um, races for points so you know if they're racing for a championship a points championship these are the races they can afford to miss and uh you know it's important to spend time with your family uh because uh you know family is a big part of being a successful racer i think you're spot on you know and that's a whole nother dilemma right we're into november and it's thanksgiving weekend it's like man the season's long enough already and, and next year they got all these big money shows, you know, I, I think that they need to, I think that they need to relook at it. Obviously the one at 411, that 5,000 a win show, that sounds like the win good. 40 cars down there. They got, it's kind of centrally located from a lot of different areas, but you get down to Cochrane, Georgia, you know, how far is, I don't even know how far that is. Seymour, Tennessee to Cochrane, Georgia. Uh, that That's another interesting yeah. thing. And Puka, maybe if you can punch that up on your GPS, Seymour, Tennessee to Cochran, Georgia. I don't. I don't know where in Georgia Cochran. Oh, it's a it's a three hundred fifty mile drive. Okay. Okay. Five hours. Well, that was something I was hours. not sure of. Are they on top of each other? Because of course Georgia and Tennessee are connected, right? You know, but obviously it's a little bit spread out. But you know, it's crazy. I mean, three hundred fifty miles. Some of those people probably lived in between there, and they opted to go race for five grand instead of for twenty one grand. So that's, that's interesting. So yeah, that's, that's just that time of the season, you know, and, and uh, pretty good racing. I'm looking forward to this week. We'll talk about that more, but that leads us, right? We got the fan question of the week, right? And this kind of segues into that. I got a couple questions and uh, one of them came from Bill and this of course, sponsored by Cowboy Up Racing, Shane Hall, Liberty One, Mod, Mod and Midwest Mod, thanks to him. But 
is there a point, right? With all, with looking at this situation here, looking at all the stuff going on next year, you got the Hell Tour, you got Lucas Oil MLRA, you got World of Outlaws, the XR series, Lucas Oil series, right? You got all this stuff going on. Is there a point when it's just too much? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I think we kind of touched on that. I, it, yeah, too much is too much. Like I said, these guys are, are working guys. So, you know, Bert, you touched on this last week. There's only so much vacation time. You know, you're going to do these big shows and start, you know, many start on a Thursday. Uh, this weekend was, you know, with the gobbler was just Friday, Saturday. But, um, you know, like I said, if you're going to travel, you got to take some time off work. And, and you know, I mean, just Ryan, I mean, as a racer, you're looking at your schedule and you have, what, three weeks of vacation. Are you going to push it out to November? Like, you know, oh, the weather will probably be really good in November. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to for sure circle that one, right? <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't, but I mean, that's kind of like the topless deal they have at Ogilvy, right? So they have the Wasoda season just got done. The Wasoda season goes to mid-October, and then it's like, oh, there's still one more. And it's like, <laughs> I talked to a lot of drivers. They're like, yeah, we like Ogilvy. We like the Wagamans. We like going there. But by that point, we're like burnt out. Like, And they, they still get a pretty decent car count. Not great, you know. But at that point, they're like, there's no more points, so why even go? And yeah, I mean, it just, the question I have on this, I got several questions here that we talked about next year with all this going on, right? Is there going to be watered down fields, right? You know, we talk about races on top of each other, you know, whether it's locally, regionally, whatever, but uh, here's an example. The, the Hawkeye 100 at Boone, right? Is literally the same weekend is the Gopher 50 in Deer Creek. I mean, they don't get much closer together than that, a couple hours, right? And and you got the Gopher 50 is 50,000, and it's 30,000 at Boone. I mean, I look at it, I I personally think Boone's going to suffer, right? I mean, if you're in that area, why would you race for 30 when you can race for more money at Deer Creek? Why would you do that? Are we going to start seeing some of these shows where they don't even hit 24 cars in the middle of the summer? Well, I think that, I mean, that's a possibility. Um, I mean, the thing I worry about is financially, can can late model racing um, make its sponsors happy uh, if they do split fields? You know, if a series is promising sponsors, well, we're going to get X number of cars, we're going to get X number of fans, but then they're competing against, you know, Lucas XR, uh, the the Castro midweek shows, uh, and they don't get the numbers that they're promising. I mean, are the sponsors going to stay long enough, or will it put a sour taste in the sponsors' mouths? So they need to be a little worried, oh, not worried, but aware of that. Absolutely. So let me ask you this: and we talked about this before, but I want to I want to hit this again. So when you're looking at it, you look at Lucas Oil Series, right? And they got lots of lot more bigger paying shows. If you're a, if you're a race team owner, Puka, okay, not a driver, but you own the team and you have a top tier driver, okay, a Brandon Shepard, um, somebody that caliber of driver, would you even would you even consider running the World of Outlaw Series in 2022? No, I don't think so. You know, and I haven't looked enough in detail to see how much they overlap the, the, 
Uh, the XR also, or the, well, I think the flow stuff, they, the flow stuff, they purposely kind of stay out of everyone's way, right? Those are Tuesday yeah. nights would probably be Monday nights, but they give them that extra day to travel. Plus you're, you know, you know, yeah, come off Sunday, but uh, so that isn't as big of a thing, but yeah, no, like I said, I really think this was the year that Lucas, we talked about this last week where they were really going to finally put the thumb on the woo and the woo was going to crumble and then flow steps it up and XR comes out of nowhere. <laughs> And they did, and he came out of nowhere, and he kind of made a statement. Like I we saw a little promo video saying, you know, we, when you think it's good enough, we don't. We're doing something different, or something along that line. Like he's, it's like shots fired, right? Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be long term. I hope so. You know, it's good to see that kind of money being thrown around. Hopefully, it can be long term. But you asked a question, Puka. So, is our series like the World of Outlaws, Lucas Oil, stuff like that? What's your thoughts? Do they do they benefit the masses? Do they only benefit a couple teams? What is your thought? I got some feelings on this, but I mean, the series, I'm talking specifically World of Outlaws, Lucas. I don't know how the XR thing is formatted, but specifically those two series, what is the benefits for race teams following those series? And does it benefit a lot of drivers or just a couple? Go first, Bert, and I'll go next. Well, the obvious benefit of following Wu or Lucas is uh, provisionals. Uh, I mean, you're guaranteed a starting spot. And as far as that goes, that's probably better for the little guys. Um, I mean, if you're a star, you want the security blanket of, of a provisional, but chances are you're going to qualify for the feature anyway. Uh, but, you know, if you're in... I don't mean any disrespect, but I mean, if, if you're not one of the top running teams, you, sometimes you rely like on those. Well, like I mean, like Brent, Brent Larson, I mean, you know, he relies on, on those provisionals a lot. And I mean, and that's nothing against him. Right. I mean, to follow a series like that is a huge undertaking. And I mean, sometimes you need those guarantees to make it into the shows. How many Earl Pearson jr. It's yeah. like he kind of had that deal. It's like he should just quit running heats. He's getting up in the top five. He had a whole he had a whole stretch there where he was driving to the front from the provisional spot. So and you know, boom brigs and, and there's a lot. I mean, all the top tier drivers have had to use them at some point, some more than others, of course. And the ones that use them a lot, it's a it's a big deal. Puka, what's your well, well I, I think these big purses, you know, then that's kind of what we're getting to too, is you know, these big announcements. And I, I definitely think that. You're talking five teams that'll really benefit unless, unless the whole pie grows in the future now, because we talked a little bit about this last week too, if sponsorships come on board, like I said, if Lucas can go around now and trot around to some big corporations and say, look, we have all these $50,000 to win races. We're expecting this many fans. You know, like I said, you start throwing away those kind of numbers and, and people are going to pay attention. So, you know, and maybe the streaming packages become better and then that could, you know, down there, like I said, this, in 2022, will it benefit only five teams? Probably, but if they can get the sponsorships right and they get the streaming revenue right, maybe in 2024 and 2025, there's some others that benefit. But the one thing I got to thinking on this too is like, for instance, the goal for 50 paid 10 grand to win back in 94. And that only helped like a Billy Moyer or a Bloomquist or, you know, the guy that won, you know, and, and maybe that's, and, and, and from then to now, dirt tracking, dirt track racing has grown a lot and especially the, the national late model stuff you know so maybe there is a silver lining here that 
we really start pumping out some stars again. And you, you know, you said you promo that this guy won 50 here and a hundred here and he won the million. And I don't know, maybe it just brings in new fans and it, it's, it brings the sport, you know, brings it up another step or another notch. Yeah. I think it's on the rise. I think that big money stuff and, and let's face it typically, and I haven't seen the breakdown of all these purses, but typically if they're paying 50 grand to win, well, the start money is going to be probably a lot higher too. Right. So it's probably going to be, so a lot of these drivers, they're like, if they're going to run 50, 60 shows or 40, 50 shows in a year, would they rather race for a thousand to start the feature or would they rather go in 2,500 to start? The, it's the same expanse, right? It's a, they're going to, they're going to burn up a set of tires in that feature. They ain't reusing them regardless. Right. So it's the same expense to race. But the fact is if they're getting double the pay, right. Or more throughout the whole field, I think it'll benefit those teams. You know, you start looking at gas money, travel costs to get there, pit crew costs and all that, you know, so if you're raising everybody's pay all the way through, that's a good deal. And that's where you get in. It's like the Tom Nesbitt approach. The 50 grand is cool. The million is cool. The hundred grand is cool, but how deep is it through the field? And some of these race teams look at that and they're like, it costs us this much to travel to that show it costs us this much to get in, tires, fuel, all that. What are we going to get back if we start the feature? 15th, 10th, 5th. And uh, so, I mean, the more big money there is on the line, the more attractive that's going to be to a whole lot of people. So that leads me to a question that came from, from Ronnie, fan question of the week from our buddy Ronnie, okay? And uh, this one here, if you he's asked me if you were still driving and had a super late, right. Or anybody in the area or whatever, do you, depending on what region you're in, right. Do you see a real opportunity to not necessarily follow a series, right. But with all these stuff, you got the Castro flow racing night in America, hell tour, XR Lucas world of outlaws, probably some non-sanctioned stuff in there. But depending where you live, like a Shannon Babb, um, a Bobby Pierce, a Jimmy Mars, could they could they grab like a handful of each of them and be like, there's four or five Lucas races, there's a few Wu races, a few XR races, and put together a you know 20, 25 show series of, of their own, not necessarily a series, but kind of their own schedule within a reasonable driving distance and have an opportunity to take home a quarter million dollars in winnings. Do you see some drivers maybe putting their own schedule together based on that doing just that? Well, that's interesting. I hadn't looked, thought about that. And, you know, listening to that interview with Richards earlier this summer saying they were basically getting one mile to the gallon by the time you're paying the driver and everything with, with the mileage and everything. Uh, and, and I mean, if I had to bet, I would say fuel diesel will be higher next year than it is this year. You know, that is, I guess that, yeah, I, I guess that I would use the word opportunity that there's an opportunity for guys, you know, even like a Dennis Herb, is he going to do the full, full woo, woo tour? Does he want to go down to, to North Carolina a couple of times and go up to New York state when he can maybe just sit around Illinois and yeah, come to Cedar Lake and delve down into that St. Louis area and, and wrap around and uh, into Ohio and, and maybe just Western Pennsylvania, just a little bit Ohio. Yeah. I mean, like you said, a guy could put a schedule together like that and probably it's realistic for a Mars or something to maybe hammer out a quarter million bucks. What do you think, Bert? 
I agree. I mean, I think uh, Bobby Pierce has already kind of done that this year. Um, he's won some pretty big shows. I don't know what his win totals are. Over half billion. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, he's kind of done that already and proven that you can do that. And that's without all the, I mean, that was with three XR races and now XR is going to have a whole slew more races, plus Flo's going to have more races. So yeah, there's definitely more opportunities for uh, regional drivers to pick and choose races in their regions and still make a good chunk of money. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a great... Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say it's a great it's a great time to be an Illinois late model driver with that flow, the <laughs> Illinois Speed Week that Flo's doing, and then you know Flo, like I said, they they they're they're kind of a little bit more in the Midwest. They get down to the South just a little bit, but yeah, it's a great time to be be based in Illinois with your late model team. Oh, you are exactly right. <laughs> the Castro Flow races last year or this year typically paid what ten to fifteen grand. I think there was a couple. Now they're all twenty two thousand, right? So mm -hmm. now there's more money. Is the Hell Tour going to have to step up their game? Um, Jeff thinks that there was maybe 10 or – he said 12 that maybe followed the whole series. With all this other stuff going on, are they going to suffer? And maybe another series to look at is the Mars series that Tony Izzo Jr. has. They already were struggling to get car counts, right? So you look at these series, for them to be relevant in Illinois because they have all the races they can go to, are they going to have to step up their game and say, hey, five grand in cut and we're going to 10 are they going to have to make a change well the thing is i don't even know if going to 10 makes a difference anymore compared to what some of these other races are are paying um you know i mean as sad as this sounds you look at a race oh 10,000 win that's it um <laughs> you know based on all the news that has come out over the last several weeks so i mean maybe this gives uh some lesser known drivers opportunities to shine in the Mars series and on the hell tour while some of the bigger name drivers are off, you know, at the huge two win races, you know, they can race these other races and make some money and make a name for themselves. Yeah. Well, that, that. Ashton Winger, right. I mean, he, he's a guy that he was a rookie of the year two years ago. Right. Was it 20, mm -hmm. 19, yeah. 20. And, <clears throat> and then I'll, yeah, then he jumps into the Hell Tour this year, and I think he really accelerated his learning curve, hit a lot of different tracks, raced against quality cars on, you know, different different avenues there. And I think that kind of it was a breakout year for him. Bobby Pierce had a big year, put together a, a big, big uh, string of wins in that deal, put a lot of money in his pocket. I'm talking about Mark, Mark Richards. You got a listener to the show, my buddy Joel. He says, Mark Richards is full of shit, Okay. He, he talks on that deal about, oh, the rising cost of fuel prices and blah, 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 blah. Okay. If you took a map and, and he did this, and I don't have the exact numbers, but he actually, from where Richards is located, he did a map of like all the miles that it would take, right, to, to follow the World of Outlaw series. And then how much fuel, like at four miles to the gallon, you know, and he's, there's other expenses in there. And that is such a sliver. In, in comparison to what they spend on tires, engines, they got probably six cars sitting there. They got a paid pit crew. They got, you know, their haulers a half million or 750,000 for a hauler. And he's talking about 20,000 in fuel. Stop. <laughs> I mean, come on. In the world of outlaws, you're guaranteed money. You know, as right. a past champion, as a top 10, they, their fuel's 
free. What the hell is he talking about? So he well, said, like I said, in Charlotte, he was bitching about that. He said, we need more show up money and we need more, more, you know, fuel. Well, the show up money was the fuel money. And then he said, you know, stack in the purse more. But I, I want to go back to the, the hell tour. That's going to be the big question. Can the hell tour, because the hell tour, uh, obviously great tradition, a lot of history, but it's not the same because they, they split it up. You know, I mean, there was a reason Urbaltus had scheduled uh, the dream back in the day in mid-June because he wasn't going to interfere with the summer nationals. I mean, nobody would interfere with that. And now we've gotten away from that. You know, we got, you know, well, like I said, they've kind of gotten away with it, but you know, it kind of used to end right about Cedar Lake time, but now we've got Fairbury before Cedar Lake. We have I-80 in Nebraska before Cedar Lake. The Gopher 50 is going to be a bit, well, the Gopher 50 used to be the marquee event on the Hell Tour back in the day. That's the whole reason the Hell Tour started. They want to get cars from Kentucky and Ohio and everything to come up to Minnesota and race there. And then they could race their way back down. That was kind of the, the pinnacle, kind of the event in the middle. Uh, but that's going to be the question at, at 5,000 most nights, they did have some 10,000 to win races. I don't know if anyone up to 15 or 20, you know, the questions would be kind of what that series looks like. Are they going to go back? Are they going to limit it to two? It's just two weeks and it's in June into July and that's it. Are they going to go back into August? Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot. And now, of course, one thing they got that benefit that I didn't know until this year, they got kind of that weekly point fund. Yep. So, you know, that that kind of helps people, you know, the, the faithful, I guess you'd say. Uh, you stick along the tour, we're going to reward you. So they really haven't raised purses much, but they've raised the point fund due to that weekly money that kind of keeps people, you know, kind of stringing along. But this is, yeah, it's a huge transition here, race fans. This, there's, and, and we've talked, we've asked a lot of questions here. Feel free to comment, throw your comments down there. Uh, you know, questions are coming in and there's nobody, I guess, knows the right answer at this point. There's just so much speculation and your imagination just keep running. Well, Rick Swalley says ultimately that it'd be better if there was one series, right? Well, now you have how many series, right? You got, <clears throat> there's like 150, it's ridiculous how many series. Well, let's count them. You got World of Outlaw, Lucas Oil. You got the Flow Racing Series, the XR Series. You got the Mars Series, the Lucas Oil MLRA Series, the Count Cam Series. Is there is there more? Iron, well, there's the Iron Man down the south, Man, the Southern yeah, Nationals. Yeah, this, right. So you got all these different series, right? I, I look at it and I'm like, I don't know. It, that seems like it's too much. I mean, there's hopefully I'm wrong, but I just don't feel like there's enough late models to go around to you know especially when the ones that are on top of each other them are the ones i'm concerned about if they could all work together and which they don't because they all got big egos and it's like i'm gonna try to knock you down and whatever but if they if they all work together that would be good but man there's gonna be i mean how many cars did they have in jackson last year for the world of all odds it was what 16 i was gonna say 20 but I, yeah maybe it wasn't even over 20 you I know and I, less than 20 yeah they had the repairable vehicles tri-state had more cars than the woo i think they were thinking more guys were gonna maybe run both kind of like the cedar lake model where you bring in both and some guys run both but yeah that was a flop i think uh north north Durft and zeitner and maybe one other guy uh, maybe right. that number and chad olson well you Chad Olson, because Demo was out there, right? Demo was in his car, yeah. 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 So they picked up so, a couple. <laughs> well, and then you look at, you know, you look at Superior, you look at all these, and a lot of times with these wool races, depending on what region you're in, right? They don't, they don't have super late models, so they get, they only get eight, ten of them, twelve at most, and then they get a whole bunch of 
I'll call them, well, solar late models are limited late models in comparison to super late models, right? Of course, they're not limited late models. who has got the crates. So sorry, we'll sort of late model guys, but it is what it is, you know, that it's, it's not, it's just not the same deal. Now, is this the time that with soda needs to wake up, right? All this stuff going on, all this money going on, all this potential out there, right? And there's people out there that have 30,000 plus with soda spec motors, concept motors, right? They're, they're spending big money on these engines. It's ridiculous. You can only run them in with soda. Is it time that with soda says, look, we're going to adopt the open late model, the same rules that they have, but we'll have a phase in period, or maybe we'll just keep it like the, the theory behind like the uh, tri-state or the dirt Kings deal where they put restrictors on them and, and do some things to make it work. Because I know rumor has it, Jeffrey Massengill has two open motors coming. Okay. And his primary focus is going to be running all this big type stuff running around with Ricky Weiss. Well, how nice would it be if he has the motors, he doesn't even have to change them. You put a restrictor plate on maybe 25 pounds ahead of the mid plate or whatever, along with the restrictor to kind of even it out in the playing field and then let him, let him run the Wissota shows. You know, how many Wissota guys, how many of the Wissota guys that have a little bit of spending money, right? Would be like, I would love to not have a Wissota motor. If I could have this open motor deal and I'll run my Wissota stuff, but when, when you got all this other stuff coming to town, XR, World of Outlaws, Lucas, all that, it'd be nice to just be able to take their car and simply unload it, change tires, remove the restrictor plate, and go race. That would be better for everybody. I think that they really need to look at that in Wissota. I think that's the future of late model racing. You know, give our guys, give our guys an opportunity to not have to have two completely different engine programs to be able to do this. And uh, I don't know, what's your guys' thought on that? No, I, I mean, I agree. Uh, you know, I've been saying on this show for quite a while that I think uh, Wissota should have something, motor rules similar to what Dirt Kings has, you know, allow a, a variety of different types of motors to compete against each other when you limit yourself to only with soda motors, you limit the number of racers who can race in your events. If you open up uh, the types of motors that can race in your events, you open up the number of drivers that can race in those events, which helps your bottom line, which helps the promoter's bottom line, which is ultimately, with soda is a promoter's organization. And it appeals to us as fans, right? Because there's nothing better than going to an invitational and have drivers there from 10 different states, right? And right now in Wasota late models and other classes, modifies are the same deal, right? But in Wasota late models, you have Wisconsin, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, and I think Gillette had them, so Wyoming. And then, of course, you had Manitoba and Ontario, right? <clears throat> That's it. You're not getting cars from anywhere else. You're not getting cars from Michigan. You're not getting cars from Illinois. You're not getting cars from Indiana. You're not getting cars from Nebraska. You're not getting cars from Iowa. You're not getting cars from any of these other states. It's not happening because they don't have, their cars aren't legal to run. You can take your Wasota motor, go to all those races. You might be a little underpowered, but you can still legally go, but they can't come here. And that's where Wasota, as an organization, 
they've been so short-sighted, right? They're, they're operating out of fear. They're like, oh man, if we, if we allow that, what if our drivers go to one of these other races? So what if some of them guys come here? Right. They got to start looking at it that way. You know, and uh, you know, what's, what, I mean, what are you seeing over there with the, with the, have you talked to any of the guys in the Dirt King series over there <clears throat> that, that run the big motors have you talk, or, or even the little motors? How's that seem to be working over there? I really haven't talked to many of the guys about the motors, but uh, I mean, it seems to be working well um, with, you know, the different types of motors racing together. Um, I, I don't know any of the, the stats behind it, but uh, I mean, when they go to the Western part of the state, I mean, this is a prime example, when they go to Mississippi Thunder, I mean, a lot of Wissota drivers race race in that race and they can compete with the dirt kings drivers so you know that's a that's a win i mean that that's a prime example um with the wissota race on the western part of the state you know half the guys from the eastern side of the state can't go race with in that race because they don't have wissota legal motors yeah yeah that's it's it, it was on a, what, three years ago or so, you could run an aluminum motor for a while. Then Shaw, I think, won the 10 grand in Huron, and they nixed it after that race. And that was, I think it kind of irritated him because I believe it was the Shaw Trucking Challenge Series that year, and then it was no longer the Shaw Trucking Challenge Series. What was on a- what happens, guys, when the people running that, right, the organization as a whole, right, but specifically the tech committee, specifically the head of teching, they have no knowledge. When they, when they don't have the ability to make rational decisions, everything's a knee-jerk reaction. Oh, shot dominated that deal. We got to get rid of it. Well, why not just go with a little smaller restrictor, maybe put 25 pounds on the front, and let's just kind of work towards making them even. Let, let's face it, Don Shaw, he has a, he, he's won races with a crate motor in. He's won exactly. races with a, you know, the, the guy can wheel a race car. He's won with everything in there, you know. So they got to, you got to work. Sometimes it takes a little time to kind of get it right, right? Get it packaged up right to where it's kind of more equal. But they, I don't, you're right, Puka. I don't think they really gave it enough time to, to move or move things around to make it a good fit. Well, and, and the thing is, you can't be changing rules willy nilly like that because why would any driver want to, if they do implement a new rule, why would a driver want to try the new rule if they're just going to nix it one week later based on the results from one race? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you're exactly right. And, and instead of nixing it, work with it. And, and that's just an example of the organization as a whole is they, they have no vision, right? They're, they're just short-sighted. They operate out of fear, you know, and that, I don't know if that's just a association type deal. I don't think does that happen in all associations, no matter what it is? Is it just with, with soda racing? You know, I mean, because with soda is the only organization out there that has this structure to where they have promoters, the board, all that, all the rest of them are promoters, right? It's all, you know, there's an owner of UMP. There's an owner of USRA. There's an owner of all these others. And, and the board run deal, you know, sometimes it's people that don't have a lot of vision. They're like, Hey, I want to be on the board, but they, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be working. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm correct in this, but like Shano Speedway for their late model rules, um, they have, 
they have their rules and they have it in their rules that these will be the rules for X number of years. So that way drivers know that, okay, these are gonna be the rules. This is what I can do. Um, so that allows them to buy the equipment that you know they wanna use for that amount of time. And Lasota had that, they had, a, they had a rules freeze, right? But I think something like this, it's gotta be noted that, look, we're gonna make this work, okay? We're gonna make it work. There might be some adjustments along the way. It might be something with the spoiler. It might be something with weight on the front of the car. It's gonna probably be a restrictor plate, but you know that, that bringing in that open motor is such a good idea that they gotta take some time and just get it right. Right. If it takes if it takes a whole year, I don't care if it takes two years. Look at the future of the sport, not just today, not just next week, but look at the future. If it takes a little bit of time, not a big deal. And and let's face it, I mean, everybody knows if you put a one inch restrictor on that open motor, it's choking it now a lot. Okay, a lot. It's going to be very comparable. Some some places are running an inch and a quarter. Some are running an inch and an eighth. But that's something that really needs to be looked at in Wasota late model racing, because as a fan, you guys are fans. I want the opportunity. How cool would it be to go to the Wasota 100, the premier event of Wasota, so to speak, right? And then all of a sudden have you have people who knows? I mean, Justin Zeitner from that series comes up and maybe for whatever reason, there's nothing going on and RTJ shows up and, you know, maybe you get Kyle Strickler Right. Who knows? Right. You know, well, but, that's I, I think they might learn a lot from Barry. I mean, I think Wazota learned a lot when the WDRL started coming into Wazota area, uh, even like the passing points and the the uh, what do you call the starts with the They put the one guy out front in the Delaware De Delaware stars. I mean, that was nothing. You know, I heard members. They're so busy running their track. They don't see a lot of racing that's out there. So hopefully Barry's deal, not only rules and 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 different names you know from all these different places but just just yeah expose them to you know to something different and like you said kind of that you know yeah we can get cars from illinois we can get cars from from iowa you know we like i said we're just not used to that and, and again back to the, the the rules as far as the restrictions and stuff they've got repairable make three calls repairable vehicles tri-state series does steel and aluminum Discount Shop Towels does steel and aluminum and Cedar Lake does steel and aluminum. So it's like, it wouldn't be that hard to, and plus they've already had it, but I mean, you got, it's pretty easy to get the thing started, get the ball rolling. Cause like Burke just said, they come down to, they all come to Mississippi and, and Giazzi's right up there and Glenn's is right up there and Anvilink's there and Canta won the 4th of July race during COVID. You know, it, like you said, it's just, it's sick that these Wazota guys are just shot out of all this money, just shut yeah. out. It, it's it you're, you're exactly right because i talked to massingill about that and he's like why you know you look across the the, the deal here why isn't the money rising up around wasota country and we had that discussion because if they're not following it if it's not profitable for the track why take that risk if you're going to get the same amount of cars for a third of the money I, that's why but with that said if there's an opportunity for them to race for real money in the area without changing anything that's just better for the sport. That's better for the racers. It's better for the fans. It's better for everybody. And, and the problem with Wasota right now is they, they had their board, the rules meeting here just a little bit ago, right? And it's a, the, the concept is anything that gets voted on gets voted on by all the promoters, right? And then the board implements it. 
and then they have their employees. But I talked to I talked to different promoters, I talked to different board members, and everybody, including me, is extremely hard on whistle. Right? They're doing this wrong. They're doing that wrong. They're doing this wrong. They're doing that wrong. But the promoters are with soda. Some promoters are phenomenal. Some are heavily involved. They do a great job at their track. They want to have an active role in making Wasoda better, the whole sport. And some of them don't even do a good, they, they do a terrible job even running their own facility. Okay, we've seen it. We've been to enough tracks. I'm not going to call any out, but we've been there, right? So some of them, they don't even go above and beyond to make their own place go good. So when it when when we're thinking like, well, they should be taking an active role to help Wasoda, they don't do anything at their own track. Why would we think that they would do anything to make Wasota better? And that's where sometimes having a business model that's different, where you have people that are in paid positions making those decisions is a million times better. It's just way better. I think they got to go that route. So speaking well, why, of that. Why, 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 I was going to say, yeah, wasn't there some news at the USRA speaking of different sanctioning bodies? There, well, there is, you know, and this is kind of the one that's kind of moving in on the area from the South, right? You look at Deer Creek, Mississippi Thunder used to be Trioval Speedway in Fountain City, and Sue Emmons was one of the first board members in Wasota. So Mississippi Thunder has zero Wasota tracks or Wasota classes. Um, Deer Creek, they just dropped another one. They're down to two um, Wasota classes. That's all they got, right? Yeah, they, they dropped supers. They got street stocks and, and Midwest mods. That's it. That's all they got. And now keep in mind, they have A mods. USRA B mods and Wasota Midwest mods. So how long do you think it's really going to be before they just ictionay the whole Wasota Midwest mod and kind of transition to USRA? I don't think that's too far out, right? So you look at that, USRA is coming up. Wasota has not grown in 20 years. It's shrunk. There's less tracks, right? It's not growing. USRA has grown and it's kind of down the Mississippi River from the north to the south is kind of, and then it spreads out a little bit from there. So it's the whole Midwest part all the way from North to the South, but their modified count, for example, they have about three times as many licensed modified drivers as Wasota. That's just an example. So you look at, and I don't know their total point fund, but just in the Midwest mods, their Midwest mod national champion, 4,000 to win. 2022, 6,000 to win the USRA Mid the USRA BMON championship. Wasoda's not stepping up. Wasoda's not growing, right? Wasoda's not improving on that. And then if you go to the USRA website, they have a whole list of all their contingency sponsors. I'll be honest with you, Wasoda don't have any. They got just a very, very few. Rumor has it that they really they, they actually bought a contingency package from Speedway Motors and gave people out certificates and that was their contingency prizes. That's the rumor, I have not verified that, but it, I think that's probably pretty accurate. You look at these other places like IMCA, USRA, the contingency prizes they have, it's incredible. It's only a phone call, it takes a little work. Now, I will say this, in defense of Carson, who I really like to hammer on a lot because it's like a hobby, okay? He's put in a terrible position. He really is. His nobody, nobody could succeed at his job. Nobody. It's physically impossible. I want to, I don't know if you guys know this or not. <clears throat> so would, would you think, would you agree that if your job is to go out and get sponsors, contingency awards, and that's your primary job, 
should you also be the guy writing the rules, running the banquet, running the meeting, um, answering challenge the, series director, challenge series director? Should you be doing all that? There's no freaking way. Like the person getting the spot in social media, all this stuff, right? So the person in charge of getting sponsors for Wasoda, that should be it. That should be it. Your job is to get sponsors, contingency sponsors. That's it. That is your primary focus. That is a full-time job all by itself. Nobody should be doing all that stuff. The social media person that came in, she's new, right? And she started this. I will give them kudos. They did, they did a couple of things. They had the People's Choice Awards. So they're starting to get a little bit more traction. They can do a lot more. They can do a lot more, but that, that's starting to move in the right direction. They have a person there. Um, hopefully she takes some guidance um, from several people. I would love to have a conversation with Cameron because I have some ideas that, you know, I could just pass her way that I'd like to see her implement, but that's the structure, right? That's so the, the whole growth of Wasoda isn't going to happen if you don't have enough people to make it happen. So the whole structure of the organization has to change and that has to be prompted by the promoters. So drivers, if you're listening to this, right, and you're frustrated with soda, the first call you need to make is to your promoter. That's the first call, okay? Some are great, some not so much, but just ask them what role they're playing in making with soda racing better. Hold your own promoter accountable and let them help kind of make this change. So pretty uh, pretty interesting, that whole growth versus stagnant. You think with soda stagnant? What, what's your thoughts? Is it pretty stagnant in your opinion? Well, like I said, it's gone backward. I remember Bert, when you and I were writing, uh, writing for all the dirt, I mean, they said it was it was from Green Bay to Bozeman, Montana, I believe, or maybe even further. I don't know, Great Falls, possibly right. further west. And and that's, you know, predominantly become yeah. IMCA country, even look right in the heart of Wazota land here, Princeton, Brainerd, Jamestown, uh, you know, a, a track that's got all kinds of, of history and tradition, IMCA. Yeah, Fargo and, and Avon and all these tracks. So yeah, they're all shrinking. And again, what has to be done to change that? And I think uh, if that's not answered soon, I'm, I'm telling you what, guys, there's a lot of promoters that have been making comments like, well, maybe we should look a different direction. Well, let's try to fix what we have first. Let's try to fix that. And if you can't, then maybe look a different direction. So with that said, let's jump into the picks from last week. Bert, Ryan, Jeff, and not Puka. <laughs> let me re, let me let me rephrase that. Bert, Ryan, Jeff, and not Puka. We all had big, sexy Brandon Overton to get her done, so we gained one. So, Bert, uh, man, it sucks to say this, but you're still up by two. You're still up by two. So Bert is officially leading. He's out front, just like his Green Bay Packers ahead of my Minnesota Vikings. He's leading, right? Um, I I'm two points behind. Uh, 34. Jeff's at 25. Puka's at 19. Puka, you have a chance this week maybe to, to catch up to old Jeff here. You're, you're in striking distance of old Hambone. So this week's picks, okay, and, and I'll, I'll add in this, our must-see event of the week because it's all kind of the same thing. Of course, Puka, before we get into that, brought to you by... Yeah, C4 Energy and Cellucor. We talked a little bit about their energy drinks last week. It is Cyber Monday as we're recording here, and they've decided to continue their Cyber Monday sales all week so click the link below in the show notes to bring you over there aminos protein powders of course great tasting energy drinks 
uh, weight loss products. Uh, you know, they kind of got it all there. So uh, uh, click the link. And like I said, they'll, they'll, it'll bring you over. And then all those special, I think, I believe it's 30% off the entire website. Uh, Cyber Monday sale being extended this entire week. So this week, guys, the Casco Gateway Dirt Nationals, dirt in December, right? Dirt at the Dome in St. Louis. You got three full days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And we're picking all three days for the late models, all three days for the mods. And we're picking the finale for the midgets. And the only reason we're doing that is they're not, they don't have a roster set. And they didn't split it. And I think the reason they did that, and I could be wrong, we'll find out. Because if, if I'm wrong, Bert and I are not getting the midgets right. Okay. Isn't the NASCAR banquet this week? Right. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> right. So I, and it's not on, I believe that might deter Kyle Larson from being at the whole thing, but he might still be able to be there two of the days. So I'm not hundred percent sure. Cause I saw on the Facebook page that he was invited, but they didn't have a actual roster for the midgets. So this kind of we're only picking one night because we don't really know. So here's yeah, I, really I, I read that he was invited, but he hasn't confirmed that he's going to be there. Yeah, and, and they don't have a con confirmed list of anybody in the midgets, right? They but do. In the I, de I decided to take a chance anyway because I thought I'll probably get the pick wrong anyway if I pick somebody else. So I'll just go with and, them. And I took the same guy as you, and I saw <laughs> that you picked them. I'm like, I'll stick with them. So late <laughs> day one. Okay, day one, Jeff and I both have the Moequa Missile, Shannon Babb. Bert, Tanner English runs pretty good at that deal. That's your pick for day one. And puka uh, has got B-Shep on day one. On day two, Jeff and I both, Gordy Gundaker, who's actually turned some heads over there. And Bert's got uh, not so, I mean, Bobby Pierce, not so smooth. And puka has got... Uh, Superman, Jonathan Davenport, and then on day three, the finale. Which what is that paying? Is it twenty thousand? Thirty. Thirty. Thirty thousand to win, and Bert has the Rocket Chef Brandon Shepard to take home a big payday to cap off the season. In the Donny in the Donny Shots late model rocket. That is correct. Duly noted. He's running Donny Shots' car, so that's kind of a cool deal. So me, Jeff, and Puka. We have good old Buggy. We have uh, Bobby Pierce. I was going to say Buggy Bobby, but that's Sheldon. But we have the good old uh, not-so-smooth operator, Bobby Pierce, who he's an up-on-the-wheel kind of guy. Now, in the mods, day one, Bert and Puka both have the thrill from Mooresville, Nick Hoffman. Jeff has RTJ. And I'm going with the dark horse here, Peyton Taylor. I think he's from down in Batesville. He runs really good. Uh, day number two, Jeff. And Puka, this guy right here, your national champion, the one TPO, Tyler Peterson. Bert is going with somebody that, that I, I got to meet these guys. It's kind of be cool to see this guy win. Kyle Hammer from, uh, I think he's from what, Clinton, Clinton, Illinois. So he's an Illinois guy. So he's got old Hammer who's running a late model and a mod, incidentally, at this show. And I'm going to go with uh, one of the best high side hustlers out there in UMP racing. I'm going to go with Mike Harrison to get it done on day two. Day number three, Puka, you're taking Harrison to get the finale. Jeff is taking Hoffman, and Bert and I are taking RTJ to get it done. I think he won this a couple of years ago, didn't he? I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> if he did. I, I feel like he did, but maybe I could be wrong. 
in the midgets, two people got picked. Me and Bert are taking young money, Kyle Larson. Knock on wood. We'll find out if he even shows up. And then uh, <laughs> Jeff and Puka, Sunshine, Tyler, Courtney, who uh, I tell you, that kid's a real man. He's really good in that midget. I think that's going to be some Christopher Bells there. There's going to be yep. some really good hot rods at that deal. So I'll just say this. This is the guy that I, I want to win. I didn't pick him because I don't want to jinx him. You guys weren't scared to jinx him. I don't want to jinx him. But I, this is a, let's be honest, this is a bull ring. It's a turn and burn. It's like a mini water town. It don't get much better than this guy at the casino speedway. It's kind of that same style up on the wheel, pounding the cushion, slide job crossover. Tyler Peterson could put on a show. He's already ran some UMP stuff. He's ran on UMP tires already. Um, what do you think? You think he can get it done? Oh, like I said, I think I think at least a qualifier and there's some shorter laps. I mean, he he's been there once, right? Was he there last or two years ago? No. Or they were trying to get him there last year yeah. and then he they, okay, is that what it was? So um I'm not confident on you know the big night, but on one of the qualifying nights, I think he can get her done. Man, I hope so. I mean, that's that's Me our too. local guy. We only have one local guy going, right? <laughs> so we got it cheer for Tyler Peterson. I would anyway. Now, our Sherbet of the Week, okay, brought to you by J. Schmidt Real Estate out in Watertown, South Dakota. You know, thoughts and prayers to Jay Schmidt and his family to start with because they suffered a, a huge loss. Uh, one, one, a young man, 16 years old, got killed in a car accident, really tight with the part, kind of technically part of the family and uh, mm -hmm. just a really tragic deal out in Watertown. So our thoughts and prayers go to him, his family, and all their friends. But the lock of the week, obviously, if you need real estate done, whether it's land, commercial, residential in the state of South Dakota, four racers, by racers, 20 years of experience in business, get a hold of Jay Schmidt. He'll take good care of you. But guys, what is your lock of the week for this week? Lock of the week is B-Chef will win the big show in the late models at Gateway. Uh, he uh, gained his experience on the bull rings in Illinois. Uh, so he's tailor-made for this. And he almost caught Tyler Carpenter the last time this race was won and, and lost by, what, a half a car length or so? So uh, I'm predicting he will win the big show in the late models. Yeah. Uh, Jay Schmidt lock of the week is Nick Hoffman in the mod. Uh, fantastic year, and uh, it's time to keep it rolling. Man, I, I just I'm, – I'm skeptical of that. I am because he's so smooth and steady, and he can win on anything, but I just don't know if this is his style of track. He's kind of that last top to bottom, roll the middle of the dry – That'd be like saying John Kent is going to win at the Dome. I, I just, I could be wrong. We'll find out soon enough. So my lock of the week is going to be somebody from Illinois. Somebody from Illinois is going to win the finale in the late models, right? I mean, you start looking at who you got, right? You got a lot of hitters from Illinois. It's that, that contingent is a group of people that if you go super late model racing and there's a, if it's in the Illinois area, right, they go to Fairbury, they go to any of these races. I don't care if the Lucas Oil comes in, the World of Outlaws come in or whoever, they represent that Illinois contingent. And then, of course, St. Louis is not too far from Granite City. So I'm not exactly sure where Gundaker lives, but somebody from that region 
is absolutely going to win the finale. And, and Bert, you could be right. Brandon Shepard could be one of them, but there's there's several on that. So I'm going with, uh, it's kind of hard to say, you know, I'm, I'm still a Minnesota guy at heart, but home state represent Illinois, Victory Lane in the late models, right? I'm not a Bears fan. I want to get that right. So me and Bert, common opponents here, we both hate the bench. Okay, we'll, we'll go along with that. So the last lap, guys, brought to you by Zuli's race engines. <laughs> so yep. get, get, get a hold of Frank. You know, you, we've talked about him before. Uh, all kinds of winners this year. How many national titles? Several. I, well, they had one this year, right? They had, they had uh, Parker Anderson, but they Parker had Well, Justin Bogles won one before. Yep. 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 So, so Frank's your guy. Plenty of time. Get your deposit down. Get your money in. Get your engine ordered. Uh, wives, great. We, I think, Ryan, you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Great Christmas present. Uh, for the, the hubby or boyfriend, call Frank, get that injured ordered up, and you'd be ready to rock and roll. Uh, come, I guess it'd be about April uh, when recent, you know, the green flag finally drops up here. Absolutely. So, Bert, let's start with you over in your neck of the woods. You know, we're all racing historians. We like that kind of stuff. What's going on this week in your neck of the woods? On Saturday, uh, Joe Vertigan uh, is releasing his book title 51032, which are the numbers of MJ McBride, Pete Parker, and Terry Aveling. Uh, the book is uh, about those three drivers, uh, their racing careers. Uh, I actually got a chance to already read the book. Um, I'm going to be doing a book review, so you can look for that on uh, fullthrottlenow.com later this week. Uh, it's a very good book. Um, I was on MJ McBride's pit crew for 20 years and there was stuff in that book that I, that was new to me. So, uh, so that, that was interesting. And there's a lot of good stories in the book about um, that drivers are relaying to the, re to the readers. So, uh, you know, that's always interesting. Um, we've talked on this show a lot about the bar fight in Marshfield and that is brought up in the book and, <laughs> and nice. a lot of other good stories. So I was going to say, uh, is there some juicy stuff in there that maybe they yeah, I mean, yeah. reading or there, there's some good stuff. And I should point out um, there's a small, there's a chapter or so about uh, Paul Parker and Nick, Nick Avalink since, uh, you know, Paul is uh, Pete's son and Nick is Terry's son. So uh, there's some information in the book about those drivers also. So it's a very good read. It only took me um, two days to read it. Uh, I would have read it in one day if I would have had time, but uh, it's a very good book. Uh, there's a book signing on, on Saturday and there's five other book signings in the cities that those drivers were, uh, like there's a book signing in Shano. Uh, there's one in Navarino. Uh, at the bar that uh, Nick Avalink's grandma used to own. And um, so you can look for, I believe it's called 51032 on Facebook. And uh, it has information on there. And you can also order the book from Joe Vertigan online. Um, I'll get that information on the one to go uh, Facebook page. And so those who are interested in ordering the book can order it. Awesome. Awesome. We definitely, we should probably get one of those and maybe give it away as uh, over the winter here, uh, something, do some kind of a contest and give one of those away. I mean, all of us are race fans. So reading that kind of stuff is pretty fun. 
So, so get us some information. Oh, on that. And yeah. And, uh, you know, we talked a lot about the summer national tour, uh, uh, on this show and uh, you guys probably know this, but, uh, Pete Parker was the first champion in the summer nationals tour. I, I believe that the first tour was like six races or something like that. Nice. He won all three of those guys won a ton of races. So it's kind of fun looking back and hearing some of that history. I mean, I'm the kind of guy that I could sit around and talk racing all day, every day. So just kind of learning that stuff, that'll be kind of fun. We'll talk, we'll have to get a copy of that book, each of us, and kind of look it over. So with that said, Puka, you mentioned uh, over in Wisconsin, another racetrack for sale. Yeah, again, huh? SK Speedway, the former Monster Hall and all SK. And all right, you've turned a lot of laps there, what, five, six years ago. Um, what do you think, you're going to be the first bidder? Ha, yeah, <laughs> well, it, it's cheap enough. Did I see it right? 250000 we we're going back and forth on the text there i can't remember what it was but it seems yeah it seems super reasonable i mean they showed some of those aerial pictures plenty of land yeah the location is good it's right by a lake you know and i mean it's been everything from monster hall speedway to central wisconsin raceway scott duvall had it with spring lake speedway now it's steve caston owns it it's sk speedway and they, they just struggled and there's multiple reasons but number one they got, they raced on Friday, right? So they got SK, Mississippi Thunder, Menominee, Eagle Valley Speedway, and Jim Falls all right together. And then a superior up to the north. And then when you go over, what's the Friday night track in your neck of the woods over there, Bert? Uh, well, Luxembourg races, or no, not Lux, Seymour races on Friday nights now. Seymour, yeah. yeah. So like the IMCA guys over there, I mean, you just can't race on a Friday there. So, I mean, the best thing they could do if somebody's looking to buy that track is race on Thursdays. There's no, there's no Sunday or Thursday track over there for Wasota racing, right? So if you ran on Thursday, you're going to get all the point followers and they can run Mississippi Thunder, Menominee, whatever, and run there. You can't run Saturday. You can't run against Rice Lake, Cedar Lake, Shano. That wouldn't make any sense. Ashland to the North. But I, you know, if I had to pick between, well, let me ask you guys, if you had to pick between Thursday and Sunday, which one would you pick? Well, I, I like those Thursday shows uh, just because then you still have your weekend to yourself, kind of. You know what I mean? I just, uh, um, you know, Sunday, a lot of times you, you you get done with something and it's like, oh, do I want to go on the road? Now, if you live really close, it's easy. But, you know, if you have to drive another hour or something, you get home, you've done something with the family. Sometimes it's easier just to put your feet up, uh, have a barbecue. But Thursday nights, I like those. And like I said, your, your weekends to yourself. What do you think? Yes. Sunday nights are tough. Um, the only thing about Thursday nights, I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure if any fans, um, cross over to asphalt racing, uh, but Wassa has asphalt racing on Thursday nights during the summer, state park speedway in Wassa. Uh, yeah. but like I said, I don't know how many fans you would lose, you know, because it's dirt versus asphalt. Yeah. And if you don't like that dirt better, it's your own asphalt anyway. <laughs> Um, so I think Thursdays will be better um, because I talked to a lot of people. They're like, man, I just like having that Sundays off you Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Saturday, whatever. And then they got all day Sunday to wash the car, do the maintenance, get it ready and just kind of be prepped for the week and still do stuff with the family. Nothing against my Sunday tracks because I like some of them, but if I was promoting a track, I'd rather do Thursday than Sunday, than Sunday. So with that said, a big announcement in the Twin Ports, Superior, Wisconsin, Gondick Law Speedway, 
Puka, what's the news there? Boy, big one. Uh, $25,000 to win. XR, Barry Brown bringing the, bringing the uh, show to town, his, his local track, what he calls it. Uh, it's going to be a raid after the USA Nationals. Was it the Tuesday or Monday? Monday. Monday. Monday right after. Um, yeah. For the most part, I've been to a lot of the big late model shows, back to the WDRL days, the woo stuff. Other than the race two years ago, the COVID year, which was bad. Uh, you know, they've, they've put on a pretty darn good show. So I hope that their reputation, you know, for the track. So these guys coming from in Indiana or in Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, you know, that their reputation is that they can put on some really good racing. I'd hate for that show two years ago, uh, you know, to, to intimidate guys from coming up, but uh, yeah, super excited. Uh, you know, obviously I'll be there, you know, it's right in my backyard. Uh, like I said, Spirino's on a, put on a good show. Thanks Barry for, putting something on a little bit more local like I said he's gonna be all over the U.S. with Texas and Bristol and Vegas and and you know Missouri I think that Bellevue the high high banks Bellevue so um yeah really cool deal you guys excited you're gonna be there it's really good that they went Monday instead of Tuesday because yeah. okay not only is it right after the USA Nationals they got a they got a day in between there to travel up there which ain't real far but the following weekend is a big one. It's a North-South 100, Florence, Kentucky, 11 hours away. That one's 75,000 to win starting on Thursday. So that's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday deal. So some of the Lucas guys, I mean, it's close enough to Cedar Lake. What is it, maybe two hours, two and a half at the most, if you're driving slow, to go up for 25,000 to win. And that still gives them, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday for travel days to get all the way back down to Florence for 75,000 to win down there. Uh, I'm interested. I, I'm excited for it because it's just another big show um, in our area. I, I think, I mean, Bert, you can kind of give me your opinion. I think they have a better opportunity to get <clears throat> more, more quality late models than a 10,000. I think they're still doing the World of Outlaw deal too. Right, they didn't schedule, yeah, yeah. But that one's buttoned up with that Stewart Iowa show that he has, right? So, let me ask yeah. you this if they do both the, the XR Super Series, right? The I think it's a superior showcase, they're calling it 25,000 to win, and then they have the World of Outlaws for I believe 10,000 to win, or maybe 12 or whatever it is. One of the two, which one is going to get more quality cars? And I want an over and under number for the XR race. I'm putting it at 24 open motor cars for the XR race. So which one's going to get more? And do you think there'll be over or under 24 open motor cars, not, not with soda feelings, for the for the XR showcase and spirit? I'm going to go the under on the 24 open motor cars. Um, and a let me think on the other one a little bit. Puka, you answer your over-under. <laughs> yeah, because Cedar usually gets what, Bert? 40? Um, I'm going to go right at 24. I'm going to go the even. I'm going to go right at 24, an open motor, open motor, and more cars at the XR event than the World Wild Lives. Yeah, I'm going to go with more cars at the XR show for sure. And I'm going to go with over. I'm going to go with over. I'm not going to say it's going to be over by much. But I think they're going to, I think actual open motor cars, there will be more than 24 at the XR Superior Showcase. And 
the, the concern I have, and I'm really curious, and I really hope this is a, a success because they're willing to put it on the line and, and take a chance and try this. And I don't know how the, the deal works with this series. I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. Right. But I do know this. I know when the world of outlaws came, it was 52 grand just for the wool portion. Okay. And <clears throat> you add in all your extra classes and whatever else you do in extra expenses. And most of these tracks, Ashland, Superior, Grand Rapids, Ogilvy, that area, they were kind of at that break-even point, right? They weren't, it's not like they were making big money. They were, you know, if they had a really good year, they might put 10 grand in their pocket on that deal, okay? I mean, they, can, they weren't making much more than that. Do you think they're going to get that many more fans for the XR deal than the World of Outlaw deal to make up for not an extra 10 grand, but it's a hundred thousand dollar purse. So now it's, it's $48,000 more. Now I'm assuming they have money from XR and I'm, I'm guessing they got some big sponsors, but man, I look at that. I'm like, that is, I mean, three nights of racing at Cedar Lake at the USA Nationals. People are wore out Sunday. Are they going to be rejuvenated enough to get right back on the, you know, on the horse and get up to superior on Monday? Do you think this well, is, is it they, profitable? They, they've done that in the past because they, they sometimes have that WDRL on that Monday after. Um, and yeah, there definitely was that camping contingent. So I, I think, you know, I think the place will be sold out like it always is for their big shows. But like I said, I think Barry's Barry's money isn't coming from the grandstands. I just don't think that it's, it's coming from the streaming or is going to come from the streaming somehow or, you know, I mean, he's got his own little network, so it's not just Ryan and Bert and Puka Panda subscription. It's, you know, ABC company. You know, he's got a little network. He's got a little TV network. He's got to have somebody run the TV network and say, okay, we have commercial breaks and, you know, all this whole kind of thing too. So, um, but and I don't I, know. I, I don't know how that works. I don't know if, does he, I don't, I have no idea. So I'm not going to speculate, but is he renting the facility in his, is it, is it on his dime? Is it his show? Or is it like a world of all law race that comes in and they're like, you're paying us to come in, right? You're, you, we, the tracks pay the world of all laws to come right. in. It's so it's on the tracks dime. If it's on the tracks dime, they better have some big freaking sponsors because it am I wrong in saying it was already pretty full crowd at the world of all law show, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. The crowds so are you ain't going to get more full than full. So you only have so much revenue. There's only, they don't have really a big back straightaway grandstands. It's not a huge capacity. So it takes a lot of people, right? Unless you have some big sponsors to offset a hundred thousand dollar purse. So that's my, it's yeah. only a one day deal. Now, if it's XR hosting the show, like, Hey, we're going to come in. I'm running the deal. Superior Speedway, Gondaclaw Speedway gets the concessions. I, I don't know if that's how the situation works. Then I'm sure he crosses T's. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I uh, we'll talk to Joe after it's all said and done, and find out if it's a profitable event. But nonetheless, for for the region, for the area, for the Twin Ports, for late model fans, it's a good thing bringing in uh, another big big race like this. Twenty five grand on the line, big payday, and I expect to see several drivers. Right? I mean, that that have never been there. Has Bobby Pierce ever raced in Spurrier? I don't think so. I, I would expect to see him, right? Yeah. 
Has yeah. Jonathan Davenport ever raced in Superior? I don't, but I don't think so. No, so, no, that's the highest paying race by far in the region ever. Yeah. So on the outside looking in as a fan, I really think that the the people from the Twin Force of the Superior area are going to see new faces at that track as drivers that have never been there before. Yeah, and to Tyler, me, man, that's exciting. Tyler Herb, right? That's exciting. Because when you go to the World of Outlaw show, nothing against it, right? But it's kind of like you, you know, you knew what you were getting. And two years ago, they had Jimmy Owens pop in, right? Because there was no Locust race. But I can legitimately see, well, let's go with this. And Puka, write this down for future reference, okay? Save this in your notes. Over and under. 10 open late model drivers at that XR event that have never raced there before. That'd be a good one. Bert? I'm going to go under. Puka? Oh, I'll go. I'll go over. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go yeah. over too. I'm, I I, I'm optimistic on that one. I'm going to go over and, uh, you know, like them or dislike them or whatever, but Barry's kind of a mover and shaker. So he seems to have a pretty good knack at getting cars to come. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, who maybe makes a trip up from Cedar Lake. It'll be interesting. I, that's the appeal to me for that show is new people at the Gondick Law Speedway that have never been there. That as a race fan is exciting. That, that's the kind of stuff that I want to see. So with that said, uh, Thanksgiving week is over. Episode 108 is over. The Packers are still leading the division, which sucks. Um, <laughs> Eight-way dirt nationals coming up this weekend. Again, good luck, Tyler Peterson down there. Want to see him represent uh, the only representative of Wissota heading down that way. So we're really pulling for him. Puka, go ahead, bring us home. All right. Yeah, good luck, TPO. Go get him out there. Uh, so, of course, that concludes the show. Please share. Uh, please subscribe, you know, give us a like. Uh, Christmas is coming. We have gear. Like I said, uh, just get a hold of us, uh, the one to go show at gmail.com or just instant message. We can get you some gear. Thanks to our great partners, Dirt Track Supply, BuyRayShirts.com, C4 Energy, Cowboy Up Racing, Zuli's Race Engines, and of course, Blue Line Brews. Um, hit us up, TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, YouTube. I uh, posted a, uh, some special YouTube stuff this past week, kind of got you through the Thanksgiving holiday. Happy Hanukkah to all of our Jewish friends out there as that began last night. And most importantly, get out there and be your dream. You're tuned to the one to go show. A production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.